shine yeah. To choke out my illusions yeah. To cut through the confusion yeah. oh, Keep on digging deep We keep digging deep We keep digging deep We keep Hello and welcome to the Rationable Podcast, your weekly deep dive into how science and critical thinking make you immune to scams, fads and hoaxes. I am your host, Abhijit. Let's dig in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rationable Podcast. And this time, we've got something very different for you and hopefully something that we'll keep as a regular feature. We are doing an interview. The first episode of this new format is going to be an interview with Dr. Shantanu Abhyankar, a gynecologist who is currently based in Y in Maharashtra. He's got a very interesting story, which we will come to very soon. I met Dr. Abhyankar back in 2018 at the CSICon conference in Las Vegas, where he gave a white paper talk, a presentation, uh, which we'll also come to a little bit later. But first and foremost, Dr. Abhyankar, welcome to the Rational Podcast. It's really good to have you here. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, totally. And uh, first and foremost, the thing I'm most intrigued about is that I've heard that you used to be a homeopath but then you made your way out of that and into the world of so-called allopathy and mainstream medicine. How did that happen? Well, it all began when I could not get into modern medicine on my 12th standard course. Then there were no entrance exams, all India entrance exam or anything. It was way back in 1981. So as an alternative, I decided to join homeopathy. Although I joined the college and I got through with flying colors, never throughout in the five years of my uh, academics there did I ever believe or was ever convinced about the, the scientific nature of the theory of homeopathy. I kept on questioning my teachers, but then as a stark junior and an underling, I just could not uh, cross-question them all the time. Yeah, I'm sure you Once weren't. I passed out... I, I'm sure you once or twice you just told her to shut up and yeah. sit down or something. <laughs> That's the Indian education yeah, system. That was always there, but more than the teachers, it was my uh, colleagues and my classmates who told me to shut down, <laughs> shut up, because they they said that your only idea from uh, in getting uh, is getting out of this college with a degree, saying that you are a doctor. That's about all. Then you can start practicing modern medicine, practice with some consultant for some times, and get into general practice. That was the idea. Not bad. I didn't know you could but do then that. I was not very... Yeah, we could. <laughs> okay. But then anyway, I was not very comfortable and happy with the idea. Mm-hmm. Once I passed out, I realized that uh, I had not really learned any science. And uh, I was rather fooled and shorthand. That, that was my concept. Mm-hmm. And But then I had nowhere to go. So I decided that, well, my only qualification is uh, 12th standard pass. And I should join uh, some science course like BSc or whatever comes my way. But I decided not to go and start practicing homeopathy at all since I myself did not ever believe in what they taught me in my college. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, there was the Supreme Court decision which said that uh, 15% of the All India seat should 
be filled through an all india entrance exam so i decided to take a chance i started studying my 12th standard portion all over again mm. and 7 uh, years after my regular batch i joined uh, the modern medicine stream in one of the government medical colleges in pune varamjishi boy medical college wow that's quite a journey but it's a good thing that you started off early relatively speaking yes i'm sure you've you've heard the story of uh, brit marie hermes when she got into naturopathy initially and she worked for several years in naturopathy before she realized it was all punk and then by that time it was too late for her to go back into medical school because then she right, lost right. all credibility but i'm i'm glad you made it through and yes. i saw that you'd you'd made a an a lovely uh, presentation on tedx as well about homeopathy yeah. how did that go down with people actually i have received very rave reviews about it i'm sure that even students who study homeopathy they are never convinced about the scientific nature of the theory of homeopathy mm. they are there just as an alternative like i was there since they could not get in modern medicine they are there uh. it is looked upon as a backdoor entry to modern medicine oh. these people they are very intelligent students and they do well in their practice they work in so many different fields and try to fill up niches which are left empty in the current system mm-hmm. they work as assistant to so many other consultants pick up skills very fast work as residents in icus work on emergency duties and most of the time they do very very well but then since i was not comfortable and i thought that it was not proper to study something not believe in it and practice it and if i have to practice modern medicine i have to have proper uh, knowledge as well expertise and the legal degree to practice modern medicine absolutely so i did, it was a very strong urge to make the switch yeah and i'm not surprised if i was i think most many people if they were in your position would do it <laughs> have done the same thing if they could have but I, right. what i don't get is uh, yes. with india i mean in india you can do a degree in homeopathy and still get into mainstream medicine in some sort of a role like maybe not a mainstream doctor but how does it work yes no see actually the the current legal position is uh, very fluid mm-hmm. you can be a qualified homeopath you can be a qualified ayurvedic person and still prescribe modern medicine drugs but the, there are intricate legalities involved the government of maharashtra has now with what they call as a bridge course wherein after a few months of training people who have qualified as homeopaths can practice as uh, practitioners of modern medicine but with a limited uh, armamentarium of drugs because the approach of the government is uh, very different the government has public health in its mind and it sees that it is the ayurvedic can uh, homeopathic practitioners who reach the the far flesh far flung areas and uh, villages and they are the ones who are providing health services to the downtrod oh so the government looks upon these people as uh, partially trained health manpower and uh, it looks upon them as a child, like uh, from the public health point of view with a little bit of training these people can actually work as uh, assistants and sometimes even as primary health care workers so they certainly can provide primary health care 
Oh, that's. I mean, that's a, that's a clever also thing. Also, in do. India, the pyramid of healthcare. Yeah, and the pyramid of healthcare is rather inverted because we have more doctors and less nurses, <laughs> and even less specialized nurses, and even fewer counselors. So it is uh, these practitioners who actually, like I told you before, they train themselves and they work as assistants, they work as uh, intensivists, they work as counselors, they work as, at de addiction centers, and so many places. and they do a good job of whatever they have thought oh that's wonderful and do you think uh, some any i mean if they do if they are so called true believers in homeopathy or ayurveda do you think that they that translates in any way into the kind of advice that they give i mean have you ex- have you heard any examples of that no they are, they are, they are they are, they are, they are not true believers in homeopathy or ayurveda ah. <laughs> <laughs> 99 99% of them know in the heart of their hearts that whatever they have been taught is not really very scientific not really practicable is not enough to you know start independent practice as a homeopath or as an ayurvedic practitioner and it is it is this realization that dawns upon them once they they are about to get out of college and when they face real life and that is why they take up and acquire these skills and upgrade themselves that's that's totally blowing my mind right now so so uh, so would you think that the it's the these practices of medicine are more driven by the audience demand like not audience i'm talking marketing lingo now but uh, but generally the market demand for these forms of medicine is what drives it because otherwise young medical or alt med professionals don't actually believe in it so it must be they must be catering to the demand is that is that the case do you think I didn't get your question. If you mean to say that, why do these people get into the? Why do young people get into these courses? No, no, no. I what I meant to say was, the market for these. Uh, why do yeah is, yeah is huge why in this country. Why is there a market for these practitioners? Yeah, there's a huge yeah, market yes, for them. Is. So it's driven by more by the people wanting that kind of treatment rather than the practitioners advocating that kind of treatment. Is that so? there are there are there are there are multiple aspects to this all mm. these practices together the world health organization classifies them as complementary and alternative systems of medicine mm-hmm. in india the government has a ministry of ayush yes ayush meaning <laughs> ayurved yunani siddha homeopathy and so many other practices yeah, yeah. then there is a broad framework there are universities which run courses there are degrees that are offered even postgraduate degrees are offered by some universities mm. so as far as the practitioners are concerned this is just a way into the medical practice somehow yeah this is a backdoor entry to medical practice and of course there is a massive amount of demand so obviously their services will be used one way or the other yes of course they can be used by the government even now with this current corona epidemic mm-hmm. the government is training all these practitioners to work as uh, first line health providers which is a good thing yes absolutely i couldn't agree more but <laughs> i have commented on this about on uh, on both my website and on the podcast earlier that you know the ministry of ayush is sending out some 
really dubious messaging. And initially, they had mentioned Ayurveda and homeopathy <laughs> as prophylactics, but now they've become a lot more careful about it. But what do you think of this? You think it's doing more harm than good? It is a great eye. Yes, of course. Because they their claims are dubious. They are not supported by any studies. The, the ministry gave out uh, advisories and uh, recommendations even before the virus was even available for testing. Forget about testing the efficacy of the medication as prophylactic, which is claimed by them. <laughs> yeah. The Indian ministry said that arsenic album is the drug of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow there is no coordination between the Indian and the British practitioners. The British, come, whatever British body came up with saying that bryonia is the drug of choice. Okay. And, <laughs> well, I, I know there might not be much I think of a difference between them at the end, but what's yeah. the difference between these two preparations? Right, right, right. No, no, they are just two different. Arsenic is arsenic. Mm-hmm. Arsenic album literally means white arsenic. Ah. And bryonia is one of the plant plant derivatives that are used in homeopathy. I see. <laughs> they Both of them can't be right either, can they? But there are a lot of people who have... Neither, neither are right. Yeah. But a lot of people have... I've heard a lot of people saying that, you know, what's the harm if it makes people feel safer, then why not? What do you say to that? Yeah. Uh, that's a very common argument out there. That what what's the harm? Like, suppose maybe we don't we don't get the the touted benefit, but then if there is no harm, why not? Okay. Yeah. So the answer is that uh, this this is uh, like uh, you are spending already meager resources on something that is of doubtful efficacy. You better spend the money with something that is of that is of some use to you. Secondly, you are in a false hope and a false belief that something is being done to protect yourself. If you take arsenic album and believe that you are protected against uh, corona infection and stop using personal protective devices and other measures that are supposedly useful, you are in fact doing more harm than good, not only to yourself but even to the society. So this gives a false sense Security. Ah, absolutely. A very false sense of security. So, and people might just, you know, might not wash their hands properly. They might not keep that social distancing active whenever they go out. They might not wear masks because they feel that they're extra protected by it. Yes. And and such practices, they keep the people, they wean people away from proper medical management. Mm. Forget covid but I'll give you another example. Suppose if a person suffers from herpetic infection on the face, mm-hmm. it's a very dangerous thing and it needs to be aggressively treated because if it involves the cornea, the eye, then the person mm-hmm. can go blind. Absolutely. So it needs to be ag- aggressively treated. So it cannot be treated mm-hmm. symptomatically. Homeopathy has got no role to play in such conditions. But there... Homeopathy has followers and believers and, you know, it, it is not, it's a, it's a sect of sorts, not just a system of medicine. That is what it has become. Yeah, I have noticed that myself, actually, on many occasions. But have you, uh, I mean, do you, are you actively, uh, are you uh, actively fighting against the propagation of homeopathy in any way? It is really difficult for an individual to fight actively against homeopathy. 
in case you really want to do something, what one needs to do is to file a litigation in the court of law saying that public money should not be squandered on dubious medical practices. And we must demand that these colleges should be shut down or converted into nursing colleges, which is the need of the day. Or convert into training primary healthcare professionals, primary primary doctors, barefoot doctors, whatever name you give them. That is what our public healthcare system needs. So this cannot, this alternative and uh, homeopathy and all this is a waste of uh, public money. So I think public interest litigation is the way to go because me talking to you and you talking to some other people and me putting in some TEDx talk doesn't really help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but even going into a public, uh, you know, litigation that in itself would be Mm. such an expensive endeavor in the first case. And who's to know what they're going to argue at you? You need to have a very, very solid case of a lot of evidence. I mean, there is plenty, right. but it depends on who will be willing to listen. Yeah, there is a there's plenty of evidence, but then who sits judgment on deciding what is what? Exactly. And this so is these are that, systems of medicine point. that even the prime minister is promoting nowadays. Right, 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 right. So the Supreme Very Court might just say that this is not this is not our area of expertise and might as well approach some other agency. I don't know which. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is going to be, that's super hard. And especially since Ayurveda is such a central part of so many people's lives. And and many people have told me that it is the highest form of science, which is kind of hard for me to believe. But at least it has something in it, right? Yes, Ayurveda at least has something in it. The medicines have some physical properties and tangible medicines. Homeopathy mm-hmm. is absolute mumbo jumbo. It is pseudo scientific, anti scientific, unscientific, what a uh, non scientific, whatever you call it. That <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, and it's uh, and it there isn't unless there's a six x. I think uh, probably a solution which actually might have some molecules of the original uh, chemical, but that in itself would might actually be more dangerous than taking a well, you know, one of the proper homeopathic solutions. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, yeah, after yeah. all, they use That's toxins right. as their original substance. That kind of makes one's yes, hair all stand on end. Practices of medicine actually use so many things, you know, because just as Ayurveda is sort of an Indian system of medicine, homeopathy mm-hmm. originated in Germany. And like all systems of medicine, they try to use local produce, local uh, herbs and uh, chemicals and minerals and whatever was available. So mm. that is what even homeopathy did. But then even modern medicine in, in its early days, allopathy in its early days, has, was mm. nothing but herbal medicine and certain toxins and things like that. Why most of the even drugs that we use today, such as atropine actually, is derived from atropapelladona, mm. which is a plant product. Or yeah, penicillin and of- is derived from fungus. Huh. Yeah, and... More recently, even hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine has been derived from yeah, quinine, quinine, which is from the yeah, it's which is from a tree bark. It's a plant product, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Otherwise, so drink it, lots it of was, gin and tonic. It was quinine that gave Hanuman the idea of homeopathy. <laughs> really? That, that yeah. I did not know about. How how did that happen? Yeah, he was he actually there wasn't homeopathy before uh, Hanuman. Just as there was no Christianity before before Jesus Christ. So <laughs> since he invented it. 
so he took in he was translating he was a translator a doctor and a translator so he was translating some material and he read a reference saying that if you have too much of quinine you have symptoms like malaria and quinine was the drug of choice for malaria in those days so he got uh, like he got fascinated with this particular idea and then he said that well if quinine causes something like malaria and cures malaria then the same principle should be followed across the board and then he started taking toxins and drugs himself and tried them on his uh, friends acquaintances and kept a record of everything that happened and then said that if this particular medicine a causes say chills and fever and headache and uh, sweats then whenever chills and headache and sweats come up we should be giving medicine a in a potentized form potentized is ultra diluted so and homeopathic dilutions are such like you are aware that you cross the avogadro number and then whatever portion they give you there is hardly there is not even a single molecule of the original drug yeah and he thought that these potentized drugs are helpful because he theorized that it is an unseen and uh, untouched and uh, like a vital force that pervades the body and something goes wrong with that vital force and the person falls sick and therefore we must have intangible medicines to tackle this intangible force and that is why he came up with the idea of potentization mm. and of course in reality if you just stop giving a person a toxic chemical and start giving them water instead they're probably going to get better yeah that was one of the reasons <laughs> why hanuman practice flushed because the prevalent practice in medicine then was so bad bloodletting and giving emetics and uh, giving diuretics and diarrheals and enemas and things like that so they actually made the patient's condition worse so by providing nothing at all hanuman in fact did less harm than the medicine prevalent in those days and that is why he had a very flourishing practice <laughs> and he did i mean to his credit in his defense he did follow something akin to a scientific method he made an observation he tried experiments and he got certain results even though those results were misleading he still tried yes. his level yes. best yes. to yes. actually get an accurate you know prediction which i have to give him some credit yeah, for he unfortunately did, he did he did he i he no but then his line of thinking was very 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 unscientific because exactly. he was sort of a dictator he put down a book called organon of medicine and in the preface he says that well this is it and there should not be any changes in this book and these are my observations and this is for you to follow if you agree with this well and <laughs> good if you don't get out <laughs> that is that is what it is that sounds like a religious doctrine to me yes it is and that is how it became a religious it has become a religious doctrine so either you believe in homeopathy or you don't believe in it <laughs> there is no convincing <laughs> about it <laughs> ah that is very true but i've yeah. i've heard some strange things and though this is from a very strange person uh on a certain rather infamous guy on twitter who have had very unfortunate encounters with but he mentioned that homeopathy and ayurveda 
have follow common principles i don't necessarily think that's true unless he's talking about the humors and you know vital forces beyond that i don't think there's anything else do you think yeah humor yeah humors and miasms was a concept in western medicine and uh, something similar to the tridosh theory in ayurved but that's about all there that it is that is where the similarity ends the humors and miasms are something totally different and this tridosh theory is something totally different on uh, neither humors nor miasms nor tridosh has any physiological basis in modern physiology as of now i see well yes that's of course we know we figured that yeah, one out <laughs> thank goodness yeah. um but as far as ayurveda is concerned uh how much do you think it is i mean there's lots of uh, clinical trials happening for certain chemicals like curcumin is being tested rigorously nowadays because it's become so popular um there are several other uh, in process at this point of time i'm sure but what do you see what is what are your thoughts on ayurveda and what about its future and potential see first of all we must look upon ayurveda as a science and it should be open to scientific investigation and uh, and questioning of course if it is a science it should be open to questioning anything that is in ayurveda some medicine that is useful for some particular disorder if you have enough and good evidence of its safety and efficacy it automatically becomes something that is used in modern medicine modern medicine adopts these drugs and practices why there is a there is a method of surgery described in ayurveda called shulva sutra it is to treat fistulas okay now that that particular technique is currently in the modern textbook of surgery yeah the drug reserpin which is used for hypertension it is derived from one of the ayurvedic preparations sarpaganda is the original name so even chinese medicine had as a, what was that anti malarial which is now the com which is now a very popular anti malarial we are using now because we have enough evidence of its safety and efficacy so the safety and efficacy standards cannot be different from modern medicine and ayurveda and chinese medicine and homeopathy or whatever so they are uniform across the board anything that is safe and efficacious becomes part of modern medicine modern medicine is not something that is uh, uh, like it is come to us out of the blue and a god given gift or anything it is it is the <laughs> the outcome of human endeavor and human practices and ideas and the scientific method that is what it is absolutely and so i i do personally i also look at ayurveda as having a lot of potential if it is yes. if each one of those molecules is isolated if it's tested if it's you know tested for side effects and you know interactions with other drugs etc so that it becomes they become safe and you know efficacious to use i, I don't understand right. why right. we're not making more headway but then of course these things do take time is there a lot of study and uh, research going into this field at this point there there are there are a lot of studies going on into ayurvedic medicines but then i don't think i don't think any 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 system of medicine should be looked upon from a nationalist point of view or from from a religious point of view from a cultural point of view 
it is obviously a part of our culture it has uh, religious uh, repercussions and it is our heritage no doubt but still when it comes to whether the medicine a is useful for a condition b the cold logic and uh, scuttle of scientific analysis it should it should hold sway yeah and do you i i kind of see ayurveda as a as kind of a gateway into how india itself has become such a hub of alternative medicine and natural remedies and the mm-hmm. whole world is now looking towards india as, along with china of course with chinese traditional medicine yeah but uh, but is this do you think that this is uh, this is the case that ayurveda is kind of primed the indian mind to accept things that without evidence or am i off the mark there indians and people in general do accept uh, so many things without good evidence <laughs> that is how the human brain works and and analytic <laughs> i mean i was forced fed john prash when i was a kid and i've been given uh, lots of uh, a homeopathic homeopathic medicine so it's it's begins <laughs> become something that we all have taken for granted now right and right right, right. we are all certain we are so happy that the rest of the world is taking it up and apparently prince charles was cured of the coronavirus thanks to homeopathy and ayurveda or some combination of both of them <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> if you were to I, believe I, I, it I, I, I heard that story <laughs> you know there are political and economic reasons for these things happening and uh, mm-hmm. there's something a soft power like uh, i'm sure that the zimbabwe academy of motion pictures has uh, annual awards played each year for the best zimbabwean movies but then we are mm-hmm. hooked to oscar awards which is yeah, exactly. uh, which is american soft power pervading india and america is hooked mm. to yoga which is indian soft power pervading america <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well at least there's a free exchange of ideas selling, yes <laughs> selling yoga selling bollywood selling ayurveda selling indian culture selling what is that big fat indian wedding <laughs> and all, all these things are in fact uh, sort uh, are a part of a political offensive as well mm. you can't separate you can't separate the two very true very true and i i wanted to touch on also the work that you have done with uh the rationalist group the committee of for the eradication of superstitions yeah um how and there was a very prominent story of dr dabolkar who was assassinated in 2013 but how long have you been working with them and what is the kind of work that they're doing I've been associated with the committee for a very, very long time, right since my undergraduate days. And uh, hmm. the committee actually uh, is called Andhashraddha Nirmulan Samiti, Committee for Eradication of Blind Faith. And Dr. Dabolkar said see, that okay. uh, whether you are an atheist or not doesn't matter. To, uh, doesn't matter. And we've been discussing whether there is uh, a God or there's no God. but then the prevalent religious practices which are exploitative they should be tackled they should be opposed that was his idea and he came up with some very different uh, 
ideas and he became very popular and the committee is a force to reckon with mm-hmm. in almost all the districts of uh, Maharashtra and in nearby Karnataka as well and Goa as well. Mm-hmm. And he said we should see. have a law against uh, black magic because mm-hmm. exploitation used to happen, I must say, because now we do have the act in Maharashtra. So a lot of exploitation used to happen mm-hmm. and there was no adequate legal framework to tackle these particular uh, this particular nuisance of course unfortunately yeah in spite of uh, repeated attempts and uh, request to the government and of course in a very non violent and constitutional manner of protest mm-hmm. the government did not budge unfortunately dr dabolkar was assassinated and uh, within weeks of mm. his assassination the government conceded and brought in the ordinance and finally passed the uh, bill to convert it into an act proper a law wonderful so this is only in maharashtra right uh, but then i i believe that there is a similar uh, uh, act in karnataka now mm-hmm. and one is on way in telangana and in bihar as well Oh that's fantastic. But then we should have a central act. I yeah. I I really don't know if it's possible. <laughs> yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic because we I mean there's still yeah, such a huge yeah. problem. Um in fact there was a a few a few weeks ago I had a, a conversation with Richard Saunders from the Skeptic Zone in Australia and he told me about this film called uh, The Guru Busters. Okay. Which Uh, have you heard of it? No. It's a uh, I've seen little portions of it which is on YouTube and it's essentially it's a BBC uh I'll link it in the uh, show notes so that you guys can also watch it. Mm-hmm. The uh it's yeah. a it's a lovely little documentary I haven't watched the whole thing about the not just black musicians but you know faith healers and gurus from across india and and bengal south india etc who have been trying to con people and the rationalists who are out there and who are the activists who are educating people about these practices and it yeah. felt so good to watch that but unfortunately it's such a hard <laughs> thing to get a hold of in fact i got in touch with the with the producers and asked them to uh, contact bbc and get them to re-release the film because we need it more than ever now these laws might be active in these states i don't know how much they are being upheld or implemented but there are still so many of these gurus going out there and taking advantage of people yeah that that the lot of exploitation keeps happening and this particular act though we have it in place it it actually specifies 12 different crimes which you can complain mm-hmm. again but then several others which you just cannot complain <laughs> like what, what which ones are these could you tell us a little bit more like suppose like you cannot be touting medicine for snake bite you cannot be ah. uh, yeah you cannot uh, be saying that you've been husband and wife in the previous uh, life so let's have sex now <laughs> oh my so, god and, and such other you know <laughs> we need to have that lo- <laughs> yeah okay. you can't declare anybody a witch Oh. and such such other you know they are absolutely inhuman practices like oh, you absolutely. cannot you cannot force somebody to eat human excreta 
So the, these these are the things. Where where is that happen? I mean, I know about Kaupes, but no, it 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 has it has happened time and again, and I'm sure that it keeps happening. Even human sacrifice keeps happening, but then all this, all the acts are considered as criminal under this particular act. And since the uh-huh. act has been enacted, I must tell you that there are more than five hundred cases, and all the cases which have been through the court of law, we have had hundred percent mm-hmm. conviction. Oh, fantastic! That's really good to know. It's good to know that those are there. How do how does one spread these? You know, uh, petition the their local governments to take this on as well. Like, how can I do it for Delhi, for example? No, here in Maharashtra, we have these uh, activists in almost every district and every taka, every tehsil that is. So most of the times what happens is people have heard of the activists and their activism through local newspapers and things like that because the committee is very conspicuous by its work. And people get in touch with the volunteers of the committee working with the committee and over the years the committee has sort of you know learned and relearned things and developed a modus operandi of how to file a complaint how to collect evidence how to approach the police authorities how to get them uh, to cooperate into all this because most of the times even the police authorities themselves believe in some such uh, supernatural powers and things like that and they may not be very cooperative or forthcoming but then uh, all said and done like as i said that the cases which have been taken to their logical conclusion we have had 100% conviction rate we definitely need this across the rest of the country in a big way um hopefully like i'm i'm just since i've just started out uh, you know with rationable and kind of just getting into the movement um yours is the only organization mm-hmm. and plus thank you for introducing me to the brights uh, the brights is an atheist group which is also yeah. based in maharashtra but now is branching out into uh, other languages other states um and hopefully yes. we can uh, we can also kind of get in touch with other skeptic movements and organizations across the country and maybe coordinate efforts especially in this case this would be a fantastic thing Yeah there are several other organizations across the country there is a Kerala Shastra Sahitya Parishad in Kerala there is a Tarkashil Society in Punjab there is an organization i don't remember the name but there is an organization in Karnataka as well and I there see. is Andhashraddha Nirmulan Committee in Goa and Maharashtra and i'm sure there are some other organizations in Bihar as well so there are people there are organizations and though the efforts are probably very ill coordinated and uh, <laughs> far, far far between <laughs> there are people who work towards these ends yeah i'm sure there are right i know especially in uh, around west bengal i've i've i mean especially in this documentary i realized that there are organizations out there as well around west bengal and sure in bihar we need more in the north for, <laughs> you know for sure i mean especially <laughs> with yogis who are becoming politicians <laughs> and yeah. sales persons of fmcg products oh goodness <laughs> but uh yeah we we definitely need a lot of that and uh but uh, thank you so much for uh sharing this unfortunately we're running a little short on time now but it's been a fantastic conversation thank you so much for sharing your story no that's all right thank you obviously and uh, is there anything else that you'd like to uh, 
tell the listeners before we uh, head off? I would I would say that uh, even though we learn science, we don't inculcate scientific outlook just by default. And critical thinking needs to be learned and it needs to be learned actively. So uh, just as we just as we learn science and uh, use technology all the while it is imperative that we teach ourselves critical thinking and use it in our day to day life absolutely i couldn't have said it better myself it's the most important thing if we are to come out of superstition and move ahead as a country i think lots of yeah. fewer people would be taken advantage of especially by bad actors like some of the more like faith healers and gurus mm -hmm. and even religious leaders of all sorts and shapes and stripes it's this is actually the thing that has driven me into becoming into getting into skepticism please tell us you had said that you have a blog and you have and you've written books and uh uh could you please tell us where to get those books what is the blog that you write and how can we find out more about the work you do yeah the simplest way to get on my blog is to just type my name and say shantanu abhankar blog and you will get it the proper address would be shantanuabhankar.blogspot.in also there is a youtube channel uh, which talks about adolescence adolescence health and has some uh, speeches most of them in marathi but then this youtube channel also has a huge viewership it has uh, more than a million viewers it's wonderful up. and i'll i'll try and link that in the show notes as well yeah the books are available online on amazon and bookganga mm -hmm. and any any of those websites that sell books and what what are the books about okay the one book that you would be most interested is a uh, marathi translation of richard dawkins's the magic of reality oh wonderful <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the book i've translated as jadoo vastav mm -hmm. that's the marathi version it's a very popular book in maharashtra wonderful and another is jared diamond yeah jared diamond's wise sex fun Ah. it talks about evolution of human sexuality and that is translated into marathi by me and it is titled sambhog ka sukhata wonderful and anything that you've written by yourself yeah the book about women's health that is turned parimeli gupchi it is about women's health it is about uh, beginning from menstruation to menopause it deals with various problems that women face during their lifetime Mm -hmm. so that is that is again a very popular book and i've also penned some plays some uh, some character sketches and so that there are books with the virtuefully is a play and then there is a father teresa that's a book of <laughs> having a collection of characters <laughs> wow <laughs> you said you definitely use your spare time extremely creatively that's wonderful <laughs> thank you thank you abhijit once again thank you very much for being on the show hopefully we'll have you back on here again uh, soon enough until then um thank you very much for joining us thank you thank you abhijit it was really enjoyable bye and wish you all the best thank you very much thank you so much for listening to the rationable podcast with me abhijit For the show notes, transcript, references and further reading, visit www.berationable.com. Let's continue the conversation on the Rationable Conversations group on Facebook and at @berationable on Twitter. 
If social media is not your thing, you can also write to me at abhijit at berationable.com. If you enjoyed the episode, consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. Until next time, be rational.